listening to Proof Text, a Glossa House podcast by Dr. T. Michael W. Halcom, Dr. Frederick J. Long, Dr. Mario Melendez, Dr. Jennifer Noonan, and J.M. Smith. Welcome and enjoy. Hello and welcome to Proof Text. I am Michael Halcom and I'm here with Dr. Frederick J. Long and we're excited to be with you. Thank you for watching. And thank you for supporting the podcast. Um, we're really grateful for that. We've been studying Galatians for a while. And in the previous podcast, we only got one verse done. We've been doing this like two verses at a time. But uh, we got talking about love. And uh, it was worth going on that uh, tangent, so to speak. I don't know if there are tangents, but uh, everything seems kind of connected anyway. Um, yeah, so Galatians 5, today we're going to pick up at Galatians 5, 14, is that right? Um, yeah, 5, 14, and if you're watching, I'm going to show it on the screen here in just a moment. Um, Fred, I got a question for you before you started. Again, another tangent, probably shouldn't have asked it, but it just came to mind. Is that the physical therapist today? And this guy, this is another patient, he walks in and he's talking to the therapist and he says he had to fill out an online application to be a math tutor, a local math tutor. He says there are all these different kinds of questions, but one of the the questions was if you had the chance to talk to, uh, go back in time and talk to your 15-year-old self, what would you tell yourself? <laughs> like what piece of advice would you give now with all these years, all this wisdom behind you? What would you say to your 15 year old self? Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard um, something like that before, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, I would. There's a, a carnal part of myself that would say, Invest all the money you played in quarter video games in Google. Interesting. Uh, all right. But I think more seriously is is learn Greek. Hmm. Like learn learn biblical languages. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Wow. Uh, the the guy said that his his response was just relax. <laughs> yes. I found that pretty interesting, right? Just relax. Yeah. Like yeah. you know, chill. Take it easy. Um so yeah, for if you're listening or watching, uh what would you what would you go back and tell your fifteen year old self? Leave us a comment or um email us or you know, whatever. Very curious to hear what what some of you folks would say to your fifteen year old self so yeah uh anyways we're at uh galatians 5 as i said and we're looking at verse 14 so let me get this on the screen here we'll read it and then um get going so here we go if you're just listening that's fine too if you want to get out of greek testament that's fine too here we go ogar pas nomos and any logo Peplerote in the agapesi stone plesion su o seafton. 
All right. Um, I don't have a lot to say here. I kind of like tripped up for just a second on the NNE, um, the duplication almost going on there. But um, and then you have in dull. Remember when a word ends with a new and the next word begins with a tav in quine, uh, it it makes the t the tav sound like a kind of a soft d in do, in do. And you run them together like that in do. Um, yeah, so. Uh, and then also you have plesion su, which is, su is throwing its accent back on plesion. So uh, you're going to pronounce those as if they're one word. Plesion su o se afton. That's got like a really interesting ring to it, right? Plesion su o se afton. Plesion su o se afton. <laughs> It's almost like a tongue twister there. Uh, very, very fascinating. Hmm. Very beautiful. Yeah. So, um, Fred, what do you what do you see in? Well, it's interesting to see the, the argumentative development. I mean, you have the gar in verse 14, which marks strengthening to the previous claim, which was a corrective statement. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, uh, love uh, serve one another. Uh, through love, serve one another for, uh, so verse 14 is strengthening that every law, every law uh, is fulfilled in one word. Uh, one matter or one idea. And then um, he says, in this, in, in, in this, there's a end toe. The toe is the article, but uh, I would probably, it's a determiner, it's a pointer. And basically it's, it's teeing up even higher um, the NNE logo. So the N N E logo N toe, namely. So I mean it's probably often translated as namely, or I guess I see the NESB says in the statement, which would be maybe equivalent as in this. Uh, but we want to this we want to just point out that there is there is objectification, identification, specification in this construction. In this, it's really teeing it up in a big way. Um, and then you have, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So it's interesting that Paul is engaging in really fulfillment language. Fulfillment is yeah. fulfilled. Uh, this is um, culminated, is culminated. Yeah. Um, basically boiling it up to the the basic idea and the not boiling it down but boiling it up like this is this is what it comes up to <laughs> this is what it builds up to um every law um and i find that interesting because in verse 12 he's been talking about those uh disrupting you well well in what way are they disrupting how are they disrupting they were disrupting, presumably, in terms of law 
practices of some kind or coming under the law. And we've talked about that in the past, coming under the law. And so that whole discussion kind of comes back to the surface again when Paul says, and every law in one word. So you have this this contrast between every, pas, and any, uh, one. So pas nomos, any logo, or it would be is logos. So is logos, one law, or one word, versus pas nomos, every law. So there's a, there's a contrast between the many, or the all, inclusive scope, and the singular, uh, boiled up uh, command, or word, which is itself one of one of the commands found in Jewish Torah uh, from Leviticus, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, the future there, you shall love, is um, an upgrade from the imperative mood. Uh, so there's different ways that you can form commands or exhortations. They can be direct, they can be indirect. Modally, you can use often the imperative mood. That's the default. You can also pro prohibit, uh, use a prohibition form, which is the may with the subjunctive, the, the negative word may. So that's, a, that's one way to, uh, to, to say don't do something, to prohibit something. But, but when you use the future indicative, uh, the indicative mood is is a mood of statement of fact. It is, in my estimation, an elevation of of modal expression to make it even more salient or prominent. Um, and I think this happens if you anyone has kids, has raised kids or has kids, you understand this. If a parent says, uh, "Go clean your room." That's obviously issuing a command. Uh, let's say they say, you will clean your room. Mm. Uh, that That is an elevation up. Um, so I think this you will or you shall, and that's kind of a, the shall is a English convention to try to render the imperatible force of this future indicative. Um yeah, so I, I just think that this this flipping to the indicative makes it more prominent. It's kind of the same thing happens with the ume in the subjunctive, which is an emphatic negation construction. It doubles the two negative words in Greek, the u and the may, and then the subjunctive. Mm. But sometimes you'll have that with the future indicative. That is an elevation in prominence. Uh, so I see this, um, I, I know this is translating the, or this is using the Septuagint for the Hebrew, and the Hebrew probably uses imperfect, right? Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm guessing. So, you know, so there are translational things going on here. But I think the pragmatic effect in, in the Greek language in, in, uh, is elevation of prominence. Uh, and it's... This is where you might expect it. So the Ten Commandments in Greek use the future indicative in the Septuagint. Um, and here, this is from Leviticus. 
So you will, you will love your neighbor as yourself, or you shall, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. It makes it more concrete. Um, yeah. And this is, this is great. I mean, this is amazing. Uh, you know, Jesus, when asked, what's the greatest commandment? He says, there are two. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. These two, the law, he says, these, the law is these two. I forget how he phrases it, but we'd have to look at that. So where is Paul getting this idea? And Galatians is early. So he's probably aware of the Jesus tradition at, the, at this point. Yeah, I don't think that he's just winging this, like, this is my own wisdom here. I think he's drawing on the gospel tradition uh, at this point and the Jesus tradition. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, I was going to say just a, a couple things about this. Um, so the first is that... Um, if we think back to the previous episode on Galatians where I was defining love as wanting God's best for the other, I think it's interesting here, you know, uh, every law is fulfilled in this, right? You love your neighbor as yourself. So there is a sense in which I, I kind of alluded to it in the last episode that wanting God's best, not just for the other, but also for self, um, wanting God's best for me. And a lot of times I do things that are <laughs> that are not in that vein or yeah. in that interest, yeah. you know, self-interest rather. Um, so I, I think that definition works really, really well here, actually. Mm -hmm. And what it looks like to to want God's best for somebody else, like um is is yeah. is loving them. The second thing I want to say is that um this is another reason why I don't have a negative view of the law, like uh, that the the end of the law, right? Every single law, every bit of the law was with this goal in mind, to love your neighbor as yourself, to want God's best for your neighbor. The problem started to occur, not the problem with the law itself necessarily, but uh, the interpretation and use or misinterpretation and misuse of the law so that it it became no longer no longer uh leading to wanting god's best for someone else but removing their freedom and enslaving them right um so i have a i guess i have a very positive view of the law when i'm reading paul i i don't sort of take that negative like a negative view of the law I really resist that when, when I hear when I hear the law sort of getting like beat up on or poo pooed on. I I just don't see it. I don't see Jesus having that attitude. I don't see the psalmist having that attitude, and I don't see Paul having that attitude. I yeah. I, I think when kept in proper perspective, the law this is its end. Is that we would love one another. Um, as we do ourselves, or want God's best for the other, just as we should ourselves. So that's a other thing I wanted to say. We don't have to get bogged down in that, but um, no, it's it's very helpful. I think, um, yeah, I um, yeah, yeah. I think how how to how to you know again having God's perspective on it. Um, God's you know what what is God's will? We we want that for ourselves, 
uh, we should want that for ourselves. We should want the the best for ourselves, uh, but that best is is God, and and that best is to be good, and so we want other people to be good and have the best relationship with God possible. So you want yeah. them, you know, that's that's the best thing um, is to have is is to have a great relationship with God. So how how do we have that relationship with God? What does that look like? What does that entail? Um, so love your neighbor as you love yourself. So you, we, we pray for them in that same way. Yeah. And, and hope yeah. how about verse 15? Yeah, let's go. Um, it says, Ide alelus daknete ke hatestiete vlepete me yup alelon analofete. Oh, man. Lots of ete, ete, ete going on there. Um, pretty fascinating. Uh, I don't really have anything other to say uh, here in terms of pronunciation, so we can move forward. Yeah. Yeah. So either, um, but but if, um, and I think the de, um, the conjunction de there, marks distinctive development. Now here it just so happens to be a contrastive development that we might want to say, but. So this seems to be um, providing a hypothetical that is in contrast to what has gone before. Uh, but if you bite and devour one another, and the one another is interesting because that's a reciprocal pronoun. So this, but so if you get mm -hmm. into this mode of biting and devouring, and I like the word devouring is always kind of fun. It's mm. kat estheo. Estheo means to eat, and the kat means down. So to gobble down, to mm. eat down. When we talk about gobbling up. They talk, uh, the Greeks conceptualize it as, you know, very physically. Uh, I, I mean, I think when we gobble it up, we're taking it we from the table. We say scarf down. Yeah, scarf yeah. down. We say scarf down, but when we gobble it up, I think we're we're taking it up and putting it in our mouth. That's gobbling it up, whereas we scarf it down. Yeah. So this is devouring, um, and and this is a condition. Um, it's a present. I think a present simple condition. It has e the connector e with the indicative present indicative, followed by a present imperative which is kind of like the equivalent of a present time. So this is a present simple con condition, just kind of laying, laying out like this could happen right now. Like this is, this is an alternative that is real for you right now in the present. And I'm going to lay it out. If you, if you do this, mm -hmm. maybe if you continue in this, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. Um, so biting one another, you get consumed by one another. Um, so the rec rec reciprocal pronoun occurs twice here. And in and then verse 13, it occurs as well. This is a concentration of reciprocal pronoun. There's only a hundred instances of this pronoun in the Greek New Testament. And three of them are within two verses. <laughs> we gotta pay attention here about internal dynamics you know, serving one another versus biting and devouring one another. That those those seem to be the options. What do you want to do? What kind of lifestyle do you want to have? 
And it's this language of biting and devouring and consuming. There's almost like a progression of ideas here. Bite, uh, devour, to consume. So it's almost like uh, the final um, the final effect is that you're consumed, you're exhausted. So it's interesting that there seems to be a development here. And that's part of the causal nature of a condition. If something, then watch out for that outcome. In, in this case, he says, watch out, lest uh, yeah, you're, you're consumed by one another. I'm... I immediately am thinking of the beastiness of this. And I think of mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis's tremendous insight about the animality of sin yeah. and the humanizing nature of it. I guess you could also think of um, what's the, uh, the, the, the Dr. Moreau's Island or the Island of Dr. Moreau, which talks mm-hmm. about these people being turned into beasts and degradation and that kind of stuff. Yeah, this is not good. We're acting like animals, um, and we get the consequences of that. We act like animals, and we get devoured by animals. It's it's a very bad animal world out there. Animals eating animals, and if you want to act like that, if you act like that, laying it out in the present tense, if you are acting like this, watch out that you don't aren't devoured by yourself. Yeah, very. Very it's, it's also we we shouldn't miss the contrast here with the preceding verse where th- this is a, a stark contrast with it that loving your neighbor as yourself looks like wanting God's best for them, whereas when you when you're only concerned mm-hmm. with what you want for yourself, you will bite and chew up and devour the next person to get whatever you want for yourself. Right? Yeah, has, you're violating boundaries. <laughs> Literally. It has, yeah, it has no interest. It has no interest in in loving the other person, right? The that is wanting God's best for them. Yeah. Their longevity, their integrity, and their lastingness, the longevity and, and, and integrity. You're violating that. Uh, yeah, this is it's it's it, it's curious. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering why he moves to this metaphor um, of then, animality. Is it, is it, is it evoking food? Yes, because laws? he's getting to talk about. He's getting ready to talk about one, the fruit of the spirit, but okay. really, he's also going to talk about the flesh, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so I talk. I contrast the fruit of the spirit with the fruit of the flesh. Um, the two very very different things, and uh, when you when you partake of one versus the other, the outcome is dramatically different, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the fruit of the flesh looks like doing all these things for self gratification, whereas the fruit of the spirit, again, such things are no law, um, looks very much like loving the other and wanting God's best for them as you do mm-hmm. for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. The doc doc new um, is is a harsh sounding word. That's the word for bite. Yeah. Um, yeah. Definition: biting of. It almost sounds like an onomatopoeic. Doc. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It almost like you do that. You it's it doesn't feel good actually. But even you're docked. Mm-hmm. So it has to do with biting of snakes. 
Yeah. Mm. Um, Which recalls Genesis, right? Uh, perhaps. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I wonder the whole, what there's a the, the class the whole language of fruit and flesh here also recalls Genesis. Yeah. So it's interesting. So the fruit of the spirit. I mean, who doesn't like a good food? You know, and 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 uh, but we're we're to produce fruit. And then we can offer fruit to people and they don't have to cut our limbs down and eat into our flesh, but we offer fruit. Um, we mm -hmm. speak in ways that is unspoiled, uh, not to be spoiled fruit. Paul talks about don't offer up words that are spoiled, but mm -hmm. rather are beneficial for those who hear. He says that in Ephesians chapter four, right around verse uh, 27, 28, right around there. Uh, 25, 26. So yeah, um, offering fruit. I mean, who doesn't want to be fruitful and productive? I'm thinking mm -hmm. of Psalm 1 too, right? So yeah. we don't sit in the counsel of the wicked or stand with mockers and that kind of thing. But uh, blessed is the person who doesn't do that. But his or her delight is in the law of the Lord. And on that law, they meditate day and night. They will be like a tree planted by streams of water whose fruit is born in season. So mm -hmm. having this fruit, um, I think this is blessing. I think this is um, offering goodness to people, being productive in a way that blesses, that brings life and wholeness and well-being and respects the integrity of others. You're not uh, overstepping. You're not, um, mm -hmm. you're, you're, you know, you're producing fruit. Now, there is a need sometimes to do pruning. Jesus talks about pruning <laughs> to extend this metaphor out of fruit bearing. I know that's what we're going to get to next time. He's not. But, he's also not asking us to ignore bad fruit or rotten fruit. Yeah, we have, and you have to identify it. Yeah, exactly. You have to identify it. I mean, Jesus says you'll know them by their fruit. You know, talking about ministry kinds of things going on there, people prophesying in his name, doing miracles in his name, casting out demons in his name. He says, I never knew you. Um, you'll know them by their fruit. So, mm -hmm. yeah, we and this is obviously bad fruit. So there's some devouring going on in in the context of the Galatians. It's very interesting. Uh, he's for for warning them of that. I don't know if this is how this is being materialized. Is this being materialized in a food setting, kind of like what P uh, Paul dealt with Peter, that he had to confront him at the uh, end of chapter two? He confronted Peter to his face. So does this does, this, does the issue of the agitators, the the practicality of of coming under the Jewish law, does that often really get felt? And experienced at the dinner at a, at a table fellowship setting, and my guess would be probably it does. Probably yeah. it does when the church comes together, and if you have people trying to be under law with people who mm -hmm. don't don't, you you're gonna. This is where it's really gonna manifest. Uh, people will be yeah. revealed for what they are and and the convictions that they hold. Yeah, yeah. you can almost imagine him. Uh, picking up an apple here while he's talking and taking a couple of huge chunks out of it, right? Like mm -hmm. it's giving that, that, uh, sound that crunch the feel like, I don't know. It's easy. Yeah. So I think so. Yeah. 
Intriguing. Yeah, this word consume, analisco, really does mean like consume, like fire consuming something. Yeah, mm. so it's a pretty strong word of destroying, um, like of what fires can do where there's nothing left. Yeah, not good. Mm. Mm. Well, let's uh, pause there and uh, we'll wrap things up. Appreciate the insights. And uh, Fred, do you have a parting shot for us? Yeah, Dallas Willard. All right. Um, discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. <laughs> that, man, you keep doing these ones that are uh, on topic with my sermon. I, I had a quote from Ernst Best that I shared in my sermon this past mm. Sunday, and he says, um, the first rule of discipleship is Jesus. <laughs> and he says, mm. he says, every Christian should be as Jesus is. And uh, that's a, the same thing you said, uh, just in different words. I love that. Yeah. Well, that's what Dallas Willard said. Yeah. So the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And really the word their body is flesh. So we we are we have to live in this flesh. That's Galatians two twenty. For I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. For life I live in the flesh. I live by faith or allegiance to the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. Yeah, it's about mm. Jesus. Thanks, Michael. Yeah. All right. Thanks everybody for watching, listening, tuning in. Uh, share this, like this, uh, subscribe. Uh, go to Glow's House, sign up for our newsletter. We're sending out a monthly newsletter, all kinds of like deals and and new news of like new releases and things like that. We got a super spiffy, fast new website we've been running for a few months. So if you haven't been over there in a while, go check it out. Tons of new resources coming down. New, new books. Yeah, fall 2023. I mean, lots. Um, and if More you've been listening down the pipe. Yeah. If you've been listening to the podcast on some of the three things episodes, you've heard me talk about the new Latin curriculum, four books in that series. It's a two-year curriculum. We've got five new Greek books, uh, like uh, in level tier one, four new Greek books and one tier two Greek book. We've got a new reader out that um, on the Testament of the Twelve Patriarchs. We've got David Bauer's new book out on resources for biblical ministry. That's or biblical resources like for ministry. Yeah. Yeah. We first um, Enoch is coming. First Enoch. Lots Reader. of just great stuff. So a children's uh, catechesis, and people yep. are loving it. So yeah. that's going to become marketed. I mean, be available maybe in about three weeks is what we're we're hoping. Got so a new uh, prayer book coming out. Uh, all our dissertations are getting cover redesigned, so they look pretty spiffy. Uh, lots of stuff going on here. Thanks everybody for supporting us. If you're going to be in San Antonio in, in November, we'll be at yeah. the SPL event. Come by and see us. We'd love We're to both meet presenting you. papers, right? You're presenting, I'm presenting. I'm actually not doing a paper, but I am presenting. But, I'm presenting, yeah. I'm performing Philemon in Greek. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So, uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, Fred's given a couple talks at IBR and one at SPL. So we got a lot going on. Come by and see us. Uh, make sure you're in touch with us. If you have book proposals, bring them to us, uh, podcast ideas. But 
whatever, get in touch with us. We love hearing from y'all. Um, until then, we hope that helps and aloha. Take care. Bye. Interested in growing your ancient language skills but not sure where to start? Glow's House can help. From illustrated readers and short stories to lexicons and grammars, Glosa House offers a variety of resources for beginning, intermediate, and experienced ancient language learners. Head to glosahouse.com today. Glosa House, language resources for the global community.